Welcome to the Birmingham Bible Conference hosted by Glen Iris Baptist Church. We extend an invitation to you to come visit us at 1137 10th Place South in Birmingham. The Monday through Wednesday a.m. service begins at 11, or you can join us at noon each day for the delayed broadcast of the morning service. The evening service begins at 7 p.m., or you can join us for the live broadcast each evening. Returning for this year's Birmingham Bible Conference is Dr. Brian Green from London, England, where he has pastored the Calvary Baptist Church for over 50 years. Dr. Green is a gifted preacher and teacher of the Word of God, speaking in many conferences as well as the director of the annual Highly Bible Conference held in Hertfordshire, England. We trust you will find help and encouragement from God's Word today as we now join the Glen Iris Baptist Congregation for the Birmingham Bible Conference. I want you to turn with me, if you will, please, to the portion of Scripture that we read from God's Word. And I want to try, if I can, to preach to you from that particular portion. It's 2 Chronicles and chapter 15. Someone asked me one day, why do you always uh, preach from the Old Testament? I said, because the Old Testament is so full of wonderful things. And uh, when I finished it, then I'll start on the New Testament. Well, I've spent my life preaching on the Old Testament, but I'm not quite like that, but I do preach on the New Testament very often in my own church and in my own uh, time, and, and probably I will do before the end of our conference here as well. But the Old Testament is really full of wonderful things, and it doesn't matter where you turn. I've been reading through one Chronicles just recently, and I've been studying the names in that first section of one Chronicles. You say, why do I want to do that? Because even in the names of the people that are mentioned there, there's spiritual good. You see, this is an inspired word, isn't it? It's not just a a record, but it's more than a record. And one thing, of course, the first uh, few chapters of 1 Chronicles actually uh, shows you, and that is this, that God remembers. He remembers every name. He remembers every person that ever lived on the face of this earth and especially those who knew him and loved him. And there's some lovely little verses out of there. Uh, The word of God is pregnant with information and inspiration as well, and blessing if you study it yourself. I want to read just the first four verses, and then I want to show you the text that I want to try and take tonight. So it's 2 Chronicles and chapter 15, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season, uh, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. I want to really take verse 3 as our text this evening, and you will see that it's quite a remarkable verse. Now, for a long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. 
I want to try, if I can tonight, to speak to you about the subject of finding the true God. Finding the true God. I believe that this particular verse is very relevant for the day in which we live. Of course, I could say that about any scripture, because it doesn't matter where you turn in Old or New Testament, the Word of God is a relevant book. It isn't something just of the past and for history. It's something which is up to date, and it speaks to our hearts and minds in this day and age in which we live. And may the Lord be pleased to speak to us tonight as we consider this subject of finding the true God. Uh, It's very relevant, this verse, for this one reason, that there's many uh, false gods in this day in which we live. If we were to try and categorize all the gods that are today in this world, we would be here all night and probably all next week as well. There are so many gods, aren't there? Uh, And I come from a land where it has turned from Christianity to the many gods of the religions of the world. And if you came to London in this day and age, you would find that less than 2% of people ever darken the door of a church on any one Sunday. And when you consider that in Spurgeon's day, he lamented the fact that there was only 50% of people he could call Christian in London. 50% called Christian! Today, out of the 2% or less than 2%, I don't know how many you could call Christian, but it would be very, very low indeed. And why is that? Because there's a multiplicity of gods that have come into our our land. Uh, A survey fairly recently, uh, a few years ago now, but it was uh, one of the most recent surveys there was, uh, said that only 30% of people actually believed in a god anyway. And I think that has gone down to always probably about 20% in this day and age. In America, you may say, well, of course, a lot of people, a lot more people say they believe in God, and that is true. But how much does it really mean to them? Because we recognize and we realize that where we are now in Great Britain, then you'll be there very, very soon. Unless you have that revival that we were singing about in our hymn. There was a, a, a funeral of a man recently who was high up in, in office in our country. He had been the foreign minister of our, of our government and he had a sudden heart attack while he was trying to climb a mountain, a fairly young man, and he died there in the mountain. And uh, they had the funeral in Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh uh, Cathedral. The bishop was there, and the bishop said this about him. He had difficulty in believing in God. And I would like to call him, he said, a Presbyterian atheist. Imagine that. Calling a man a Presbyterian atheist. My word, what have we come to? You see, that's why I believe that finding the true God is so very relevant uh, to our day and our age. In fact, it seems to me to be the most important thing that we know God uh, ourselves. And then, after we know God, that we go on knowing him more and more and more and more. You will remember, perhaps, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ, in his great high priestly prayer of uh, John 17, prayed that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
assent. And then Paul, remember, uh, in that epistle uh, to the Philippians, uh, prays that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, being made conformable unto his death, and have fellowship in his sufferings. Do you notice what he said there? That I might know... Paul, didn't you know God? Didn't he know God? Of course he knew God, didn't he? But what he was really saying here was that he might know God more and more and more. When you turn to the epistle to the Colossians, Paul uh, writes there a, a very long prayer that he'd made. And he prays that they might increase in the knowledge of God. And surely that's exactly what we mean tonight when we look at this scripture and we ourselves want to try to find out what it really is all about. You remember that Job actually said, Oh, that I might know and find him. Find him. Perhaps that's the longing of each and every person's human heart. Because we know that God made us in such a way that we're never satisfied with this life or with what is in this life until we find our satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now notice here, we're introduced to a man called uh, Azariah. Uh, we don't know much about him except he was the son <coughs> of Oded and he's called Oded later on in the chapter. You may have noticed that in the very reading that we had for us. Uh, but who was he and what did he actually do? I like to look up and find out uh, how many uh, Azariahs there were. There was 24 of them, so that doesn't help us much. Uh, we know that he was just another, another prophet. He was just another man, uh, but certainly had a message which was quite remarkable. And one thing we do know about him is this, that his name actually means whom the Lord God helps. Somehow all those names in the Old Testament meant something, didn't they? And they were great names. And they all had a, a meaning behind them. I don't know whether they were given to them at birth, probably were, or was it a name that was ascribed to them later on when people knew something about their work and, and about their ministry. But here's a man who is called one whom the Lord God helps. I'm glad I'm one of those whom the Lord God helps. And you, and I, you, you're, you can be as well if you know and trust the Lord as your own saviour. We all understand that. Here he spoke the word to Asa. Asa was one of the great kings of the Bible, wasn't he? When I read the, uh, about the kings of the Old Testament, I know that the kings of Israel were all bad and corrupt. But when you come to Judah, there were some very good people, weren't there? For instance, we think of Jehoshaphat. And uh, we think of, uh, of uh, Hezekiah, a great man of God. There's no question about that. And then you come to Asa. Asa began in such a remarkable way. And you may have noticed in, in the reading that we had, he cut down the groves. He sorted them out, didn't he? And even his mother had built a, a grove. And what did he do? Well, he dealt with her as well, didn't he? And dealt with her, her, her grove. He was a man who was mighty in God. There's no question about that. And the Lord blessed him because he was such a man and because he did so many remarkable things. But when we read about Asa, it always ends in sadness, doesn't it, when you read about him. He could have been one of the greatest kings that ever lived. He began in such a remarkable way, getting rid of idolatry in the lands and getting rid also of lots of other things which were, were sinful before the Lord God himself. 
But one thing he did at the end of his life, he went astray, he went and became a backslider. Is it strange that some people do that? They begin so well and they end so badly. Uh, we have many instances in the word of God for us to understand and, and to realize about these people. But Asa was one of those. It's always significant when you read about his epitaph. His epitaph was Asa, uh, and it speaks about his acts first and last. Why didn't it just say about his acts? Because his first acts were different than his last. Make sure that's not you. And I mean it. Because it's quite easy, could be, couldn't it? It's easy to backslide, somehow it seems to me. It's easy to leave your first love. It's easy after you've lived your life and then perhaps just to make, take it easy and think that, well, I've done my bit. I just sit back and do nothing at all. And my brother always on to me and he says, he says, when are you going to retire? I said, when the Lord retires me. <laughs> I'm 78 now and uh, I hope to go on and on. And anyway, my wife wouldn't let me retire, so there you are. But, I mean, you imagine what, a Christian retiring. No, 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 no. There's not such a word in our vocabulary, is there? There shouldn't be, because we're in the service of the Lord. And we must go on and do his work and do his will as long as he gives us strength. Uh, I, I want to thank many of you who prayed for me while I had an accident uh, this year. That's why I couldn't come, of course, at the time of your conference uh, when it should have been held. Uh, I one night went to the bathroom and coming back, I, I must have come back and shut my eyes. I've done it so many times that in the dark that I, I thought, well, maybe I can just make it. And I kept my eyes closed and uh, went into the bedroom and tripped and fell on our clothes basket. And the clothes basket is only a plastic clothes basket, but I fell in such a way that I cracked both two ribs uh, in, in me. And I can tell you, cracking a rib is no joke whatsoever. You dare not even laugh. You dare not sneeze. You dare not cough. You dare not breathe, it seems to me, because you feel all the pain. And although it was only a year ago since I was here, I feel five years older, I can assure you, after that uh, incident. And let me say, as soon as I possibly can, that clothes basket has got to go. It really has. No question about that. Fancy having a clothes basket, basket in such a position where I should have to fall upon it. However, I want you to look at this scripture and to see something out of it. Because remember, our subject is finding the true God. The first thing that I see in these uh, wonderful verses, and in our verse, which is our text, is deficiency. Look again at verse 3 and you'll see what I mean. Now for a long time Israel had been without the true God and without the teaching priests and without law. Do you notice what I mean? We could easily say there, couldn't we, that it says without the true God, without a teaching priest, without law, without, without, without. Uh, I've been told, and I'm sure it's correct, that modern illnesses uh, are not just due to disease. In fact, the most uh, illnesses are caused by deficiency. It's not what we have, but rather what we lack. And that's exactly what we have here. We look at Israel and we say, well, what a nation, how they'd gone astray and how things had happened to them. What, what, what were they doing? No, it's what they lacked that really was. And sometimes it's true in our lives as well. It's not what we're doing, but it's what we lack. And perhaps tonight we lack something ourselves. 
Here it speaks about Israel, or Judah as it really was, uh, lacked three things, and we'll think about those three things. You notice, first of all, it says, without the true God, without the true God. There are two things that are mentioned here in the scriptures concerning them. First of all, it speaks uh, about their time, and now for a long season they've been without the true God. When the scriptures speak about a, a long season, it certainly mentions a, a protect, protracted time. Some people think that really this speaks about the time of the judges. That would be hundreds of years that they were without the true God. They had a form of godliness, but they were denying the power thereof. There's many Christians like that. They come to church. They sing the hymns and they love it. They carry their Bibles with them. And maybe they give uh, the impression to everyone that they're a true believer, but they lack the true God. They really do. Remember the, the uh, parents of our Lord Jesus Christ took Jesus uh, to Jerusalem, didn't they, at the time of the feast of the Passover. He was just a boy, 12 years old, first time he'd ever been. And remember coming back, uh, the scriptures say, and they supposing him to have been in the company. Supposing. That's what many people do. Suppose something which is not true, which is not right. And they supposing him to have been in the company. And they went a two-day's journey, didn't they? And then they found he wasn't there at all. And so they searched for him. And they searched for him. And they searched for him. They can't find him. And finally they're back again in Jerusalem. And there, of course, they find the Lord uh, teaching uh, the teachers of the law uh, about the things of God himself. He was only just a boy. And that actually happened. And you remember what it was. But the word supposing is really the word that you pick out there. Because... They suppose that he was in the company. How many times have we supposed that the Lord is with us and the Lord is, is by our side and we go to places and we suppose the Lord is with us? No, he leaves us at the door. Leaves us at the door because it's a place where he would not enter. And yet we do. And in our lives as well, we suppose that he's with us. And all the time he's not with us. Oh, how we must ask ourselves, where do we really stand? So, first of all, you see here the long season, that's the time. And then the t title. This is a wonderful title, isn't it? There's many titles about God in the scriptures. I love uh, um, Nehemiah's title, The God of Heaven. And I think that that comes up so many times in scripture. But what about here? Well, here it is, without the true God. True God. That's a wonderful title, isn't it? We believe in the true God. Oh, we really do. Don't make any apology for it. We don't need to do that because he really is the true God and this is the true God that we know. And yet, here we have uh, the uh, accusation, if you like, concerning Israel that for a long season they had been without the true God. Oh, my friend, make sure tonight you have the true God in your heart and in your life and you know what it really means to have uh, the true God. So many people are deceived. We go to churches and, and, and uh, supposedly everybody is converted. No, they're not. I wonder how many percentage would it be actually to say that they really have the true God. It might be low. It might be low. It may be high. I don't know. God alone knows, of course. And we wouldn't judge, but I just put it out as a feeler to you, to understand and clearly make sure that you have the true God yourself. 
Now, of course, we have to say, don't we, that Israel had never been without a god. Remember, they had Baal, the chief male god of the Phoenicians and, and of the Canaanites. And then they had Ashtaroth. That was the chief female deity, the companion of Baal, of course. And without, with Baal, you always had Ashtaroth. And you'll know that Ashtaroth was guilty of all sorts of crimes amongst the people of God. And, and if you look at the scriptures, Baal and Ashtaroth was around in Moses' day. And they're around in the king's day as well. That's a long season. And it seems to me that maybe Israel had had these gods as a long season. And that was a long season that they had these gods as their god. There were temples in every village to, the, to Baal and in every town as well. The very word Lord came from Baalism originally. And you imagine that. How awful that they had taken on the name of, of the Lord himself. And then there was Molech, uh, the god that took uh, children in their arms and, 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 and lifted the arms up and, and, and the, the children, the babies, went into the mouth of the god and were burned with fire. That was the sacrifice that was there. And then there was Dagon, the Philistines' god. And then there was all the Egyptian gods as well. Oh, my friend, we have to look at ourselves. We say we haven't got Baal today. We haven't got Ashtaroth today. Listen, we still have got them. We really have. You may change the names, but they don't change the gods, that's for sure. And when you look at all the uh, pornography that we have uh, on our screens and also perhaps in people's lives through the, through the Internet and through the computer and so on, listen, we still got Ashtaroth around. There's no question about that. And Baalism is rife as well. And we think about the God of self, and we think about the God of money. We think about the God of pleasure. People are pleasure-bent. They'll fill stadiums for some sport arena. You won't have any fear about that when you come to church, will you? Uh, there's always a place in church. But these are, these are gods in our day and age in which we live. And what about drink? Drink is still with us and men's lives are, uh, are ruined because of it. In our land, gambling has taken on a, a new lease of life so that every other advert on the television is all about betting or gambling. I've seen lives ruined, really literally ruined because of gambling. I really have. Having to deal with families and give them some meals. When a man who has a good job and, 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 a, and a fine salary and yet... This has taken place and it's happened. Uh, how, we, how, how, how we have come to this, I just do not know. But we have, and that's the tragedy of today. And ambition as well, the God of ambition. When people want to get on in this life and they forget about the life to come and have no time for God whatsoever. You see, that's what we're talking about this evening. And that's what we're trying to emphasize. Ah, oh, but listen, our scripture speaks about the true God. How is he revealed? He's revealed in creation, isn't he? No question about that. We look around about us and uh, we see that God made this earth. We don't believe in evolution. We don't believe in man-made uh, uh, creation. No, no, no. We believe in a God who made this old world of ours, blighted by sin. Yes, of course it is. But creation shows us God. 
take a very leaf off a tree and look at that leaf. How could you make a leaf? Well, of course you could, but where's the, where's the life? Where's the vitality? Uh, where's all of that? That can only come from God, and we, we recognize that. But of course, he's revealed in the Bible, isn't he? Manifest in the Bible. And we turn to our Bibles. This is a book of God. This is inspired from cover to cover. This Every word of this book is inspired. And we praise God for this book. It tells us about God. There's no other God but the God of the Bible. And we ourselves ought to stand for that and make sure that men and women understand that. Don't ever be ashamed of it. You know, in my church, we have quite a lot of young people, and they all come nowadays with their phones or their computers. And so when we say, we're going to turn to two chronicles, here comes the phones out, here comes the iPads and all the rest of it, and they're turning to them. Well, I'm sure they really do turn to them. Or do they? (laughs) Or do they? Well, you have a cynical pastor, I'm afraid, and... uh, I, I, I just wonder what are they turning to and what are they reading and what are they doing. Well, of course, they're good people. I'm sure excellent. I'm sure they do it right. Uh, I hope. But, uh, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But another thing. Listen, when you're walking along the road and maybe you're coming to church, you may only come a few yards if you park in your car. But listen, let's see you carrying a Bible. That's good. You don't have to be ashamed of carrying a Bible. This is God's word from cover to cover, and we must stand for it. Here's the true God which comes from this wonderful book that we have in in our hands. And he made us to glorify him, didn't he? No question about that. And so we say authoritatively tonight, he's the real God of heaven. He's the true God of heaven. He hears us when we pray. He answers our prayers. He gives us hope for the future. He gives us purpose in life. He gives us life itself. Our God is like that. And we believe in him with all our heart and with all our soul. That's the true God. But then it speaks about a teaching priest, doesn't it? You notice what it says. Now, for a long time, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest. Without. Without. There's many duties that was given to the priest. There were daily duties. There was weekly duties. There was monthly duties. And, of course, at the time of the festivals and and the feasts of Israel, that was the time when the priest was overworked. There's no question about it. But every day, the priest would be there, and he would pray for the people. I don't know if the people prayed themselves, I hope they did, but the priests would always be praying constantly for them. And then they would come along to the service, and, and the priest would lead the service and sing the songs. He would be the singer uh, at the service. But he would also teach the law. Begin with the children in their own uh, locality. And then if they were bright, they would be taken to Jerusalem. And, and, and the academy would be there. And they would be taught in the temple, day by day, the law of God. And you could go back in the book of Deuteronomy. And you could see, especially in chapter 17, of how uh, the priest would teach the people in such a manner and in such a way. Uh, but they were without That's what the Word of God says. They without a teaching of the Word. So how did they know the things of God? They didn't. That's why they went after idols. That's why they went after the things of the flesh. This describes our day as well. 
we're without the true God in our nations. Yes, we are. Let's be honest. That's the problem uh, that, that faces us. We read about all the problems in the world that America, of course, are at the forefront trying to solve. And we're thankful some people try to solve it. But they'll never solve it without the true God. And they never solve it without the true teaching of the word of God. This is our foundation. This is where we stand. It's the law of the living God. And we believe it. Uh, the people don't attend our churches. Why? Well, for a number of reasons. But one thing we can say, if they don't attend our churches, they never hear the word of God. I'm glad you read the word of God publicly. Some churches have gone off that. It's not the done thing today to read scripture, especially when you read a whole chapter. My word, we haven't got time for a whole chapter, have we? My, there's only, I mean, there's 19 verses. 19 whole verses. Amazing, isn't it? And you read the whole chapter. Disgusting. That's what the world says. That really is. And we must understand that. And, and, and the, the world won't listen to the teaching priest, to the teaching of the word of God. They don't read the Bible. Years ago, people used to read the Bible in their homes. I wonder how many people actually do that today. They may come to church. They may read the Bible or hear the Bible read when they come to church. But what about at home? Do they really understand the word of God themselves? You see, that's in fact what we're talking about. And when you look at the, your television, sometimes there's quiz shows uh, which we've seen and people uh, are, are asked a religious question. We think, well, that's easy. Easy. They don't even know the answer. How many disciples were there? Fifteen? Seventeen? <laughs> Seven? <laughs> Disgusting, isn't it? It really is. But years ago, of course, people had some sense of the Word of God, didn't they? And they were taught in schools and they were ta taught in their home as well. Uh, but this is the sad situation that we find ourselves in, in today. People know about religion. People know about the church. But what about God? What about the Word? The word of the living God. What about salvation? What about eternity? Man's ignorant uh, of these things. In my lands especially and your land as well. Man is ignorant concerning these things which are basic to us. And we must pray, revive thy work, O Lord, thy mighty arm make bare. Speak with a voice that wakes the dead and make thy people hear. We sung it and that's what it means, you see. But then there's another thing here, isn't there? Because it says here, and without law, without law. When you look at these scriptures and you see this word without, oh my, what does it really mean to be without? To be deprived. Here's a deficiency. And this deficiency has caused all the problems and the troubles in our lands. That's the problem. And we ourselves recognize that. And that's why we pray earnestly that God himself will step in in a mighty fashion, in a mighty way, because we want the true God to come and take his place. We want the teaching priest once again to teach the word of God. And we want the testimony of the law. If there's no teaching, then there's no law. And lawless means there's rebellion. And there is rebellion in this day in which we live. No question about that. Man is governed not by the law of God, even though our principles of our countries, both our countries, were really founded upon the word of God and upon the things which really matter. But what has taken place today is men are governed by 
newspapers. Oh yes, media seems to have its way. <coughs> and not only by newspapers, television, radio, or even films. They're governed by those as well. And some of the acts which people do, they first saw on some internet or perhaps a film or something. You understand what I mean. And that's what's happening. So there's no testimony of the law in our day. God's standard has been rejected. God's standard has been neglected. And so we must put our own nations in, into here and say for a long season, Israel, America, Great Britain have been without the true God and without teaching priests and without law. Without. You'll remember how this word without is used in the New Testament in Ephesians 2 and verse 12. Without Christ, without hope, without God in this present world. That's the most terrible depriving of all time, isn't it? Without. Are you without tonight? Because you can find the true God here. You can find Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the only Savior of the world. And receive him as your own Savior. But let me go on quickly. I've only really spoken to you first of all about the deficiency you find here. But we find a difficulty as well. The deficiency and now the difficulty. Uh, such a situation always leads to difficulties. No question about that. Three words. First of all, problems. Problems. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 comes after our verse, of course. And when they, uh, when they in their trouble did turn. When they in their trouble. You see, here's the first problem here. If you leave God out of your reckoning, it seems to me that there will always be troubles. And that's why this world is full of troubles today. We understand that, don't we? We realize that. The rise of false religion, why is that? Because we've left God out of our lives. We've left God out of our nation. We've left God out of the things which really matter in our lives. And that's what the troubles are. And if you leave God out of your life, you too will have troubles as well. We're not told what those troubles were, although the next verses will tell you perhaps a little bit about them. Verse 5, for instance, and in those times there was no peace to him that went, in, went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexation was upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. These words could be written of today, couldn't they? They could appear in tomorrow's newspaper, and you would say, that's what's happening in Africa, that's what's happening here, that's what's happening in America, that's what's happening in Great Britain, because that's exactly the truth. We need legislators. Why? Because they have to keep changing the law because of new sins arrive and because new troubles come up. And all the time we have to keep changing and changing and changing to try and keep track of all this. And it happens all the time. And that's exactly what we have here. All that we may understand that unless God has his rightful place in our lives, problems will come, personal problems, family problems, business problems, work problems, social problems, national problems. And you could go on and on and on, couldn't you, about speaking about problems. And where do they come from? They come from sin. Because we're without the true God and without the teaching priest and without the law. And that's why the problems come and the difficulties come again and again. Or well, we could give you lots of illustrations, couldn't we? And tell you many different things that's happened in time simply because of that. 
But then this verse speaks about peace, doesn't it? Here's another lack. They haven't got any peace. Oh, how sad it is that we're living in a day when there is no peace. There's no question about that. I think we were made for peace. It's part and parcel of our own make-up ourselves. But the world has never known peace, has it? Go back into history. People speak about a few months without an arms race or a, or a war. Well, a few months. I'm not sure there's any months. Since man sinned in the Garden of Eden, and because of sin, there's been no peace in this world at all. You can't create peace. You can't maintain peace. We understand that. And in our lives as well, if we haven't got the true God, then surely we understand this, that there will be conflict, there will be discord, there will be disharmony. And we know that Christ died, that we might have the peace of God passing all understanding in our hearts and lives. And if you haven't got that, you can realize now what the problem is. Here it is. You, you haven't got the true God in your own heart. And then you'll see the punishment. We've read those verses in verses 5 and 6. Why is all this trouble in the world today? We are continually spoken, told about the Ebola crisis. But you could go around the world, couldn't you? And you could speak about this new movement, which is for the Islamic State. And, and those who perhaps are not quite so... Uh, out the front concerning this say but it doesn't mean us it doesn't mean real Islam yes it does it means all about the same thing and we must understand that and then we look in the Ukraine and we see the treble there that's going to boil over any minute of course and maybe you could look out into the Far East as well and other places and you say why is all this trouble I'll tell you why God is judging the world we're coming near to the end and we must understand that soon will be the coming of the Lord and these things have been prophesied in the word of God God often spoke to Israel, didn't he? He spoke through earthquakes and floods and armies and famine and drought and pestilence and uprising and death and crisis and calamity and trouble. All these things. God spoke to Israel so that they would turn from their wicked way and turn unto him. Alas, they took no notice of any of that whatsoever. All that you and I may realize that we ourselves need to turn unto the Lord with all our heart. Because that's the only answer in this day in which we live. We're here for a serious reason tonight. That serious reason, of course, is to enjoy the service and to worship God. But we're here to hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord shows us why the problems are in this world today. The world do not know this, but we do. Because the Bible tells us so. And because the Bible shows it very, very clear. You be without the true God and without a teaching priest and without the law. And what happens? There's no peace. And there's trouble. And, and there's anxiety. And, and there's war. A nation is against nation. And city is against city. And all sorts of problems will come. And they will come. And what we see today is only just a little bit. It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And we know that. Well, I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm sure I couldn't do that anyway, even if I tried to do I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Uh, and I believe it with all my heart that this is coming true true before our very eyes. So tonight we've seen deficiency, haven't we? We've seen difficulty. But here's discovery. 
discovery of, of finding the true God. There is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. And we may enter and understand what it means to find the true God. First of all, notice this exhortation that we have in this verse. We've looked at verse 4, haven't we? But notice what it says. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. What a lovely verse. What a wonderful hope that you and I have because it's quite clear it. It says here, when they did turn unto the Lord God of Israel. So we could turn, couldn't we? And if we really turn with all our heart, God will hear us and God will answer and God will come to this old world. Yes, to this old world. My prayer is powerful, isn't it? It's the most powerful thing you could imagine that's in our hands, in our hands. And yet we neglect it so very much. Oh, I believe in a God that answers prayer. As the hymn says, it moves the world. It, it, it moves the, the hand that moves the world. And that's what prayer does. It moves the hand that moves the world. And we believe that with all our heart. And the exhortation is here that we should turn unto the Lord. The prodigal had to turn, didn't he? Remember he was in that pigsty? And, and, and here, was a, here was a man who would never would even countenance pigs. He was a Jew. And, and, and yet he, he has to turn to go back to the Father. And we have to turn back to go back to the Father. And we have to seek him, seek him with all our heart. People try to find God without seeking him. Well, you've got to seek him. And you have to seek him tonight, my friend, if you would know him in repentance and, and, and in separation and in seeking so that you may know him uh, yourself. Oh, so many times God in his word has shown what really it means to have forgiveness of sins and cleansing. We need pardon tonight. We need pardon, first of all, ourselves, so that we can pray for the blessing to come upon this old world of ours. Hosea 12, 10 and verse 12 says, It is time to seek the Lord. And Christian, it is. This is not just for those who are outsiders, but it's for us. It's time for us to seek the Lord. It really is. We've tried everything else, and the politicians can't do anything. They, they speak big words and, and, and try to make good sentences. But listen, we know they can't do anything about it. They can bomb from the sky as much as they like, but they're not stopping anything, are they? It doesn't seem to succeed. They ought to stop that. It's far too expensive to do that. Why? They ought to be seeking the Lord. And if they were seeking the Lord, the Lord would hear and answer prayer. Here we have the expectation as well. The exhortation. The exhortation is if you seek him. The expectation is he will be found of you. Listen, you couldn't be more clear, could you? He will be found of you. This is a promise. <coughs> and it's a firm promise. It's a hope for all. He can be found. He will be found <coughs> if we seek him with all our heart. But where do we seek him? We seek him at the cross, don't we? We come back again to the cross of Calvary. Oh yes, we were there once before, weren't we? When we had our sins forgiven and cleansing. But this is a time of crisis. We must get back to the cross. 
get back to the cross and kneel before it have our eyes open and realize that the Bible is true and all that we've been speaking about is right and proper before God and so let's get back to the Bible let's get back to the cross let's kneel before the cross and ask God to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from our iniquities so that we might be intercessors before uh, before God for this lost world that we live in and we need that don't we we really do and I've said before we have an example here as well Asa heeded the words look at verse 12 and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul and whatsoever would not, whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death whether small or great whether man or woman you know, you may say, that's extreme, isn't it? Listen, extreme days demand extreme action. And that's what it really means in that verse. And we believe that with all our heart. Asa had to come, he had to get rid of all his idolatrous uh, practices, not his, but his nation, even his mother's idolatrous practice as well he read the, the land of Emo homosexual, you, you see that and you read it yourselves he was a godly king, he feared the Lord with all his heart and he knew that the only way back to God the only way that God would hear an answer was to seek him with all your heart he made a covenant you know that word covenant is stronger than promise but it means promise and, and, and it's a strong promise a covenant that can't be broken and will not be broken. Listen, would you make a covenant tonight with God? But from this moment onward, you're going to seek the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul. That God will bless you and bless this church and bless the testimony, even throughout this land. You say, could we influence the land? Yes, you could. Go back into history and see how many times Christians by themselves have really prayed before God and earnestly sought the Lord, and the Lord has answered prayer. Could we, could we influence the world? Listen, if we believe in, in a God who is a sovereign, omnipotent railer of the sky, surely we can influence, because God has put in our hands this prayer that we may seek him with all our heart. You know, the Hebridean revival, Hebrides is at the top of Scotland. It's a little island, and not many people in the island. When I say that, uh, there's uh, several hundred thousands, but, but nevertheless, there's still a small, small little company of people. And, and, and uh, three people thought they must pray for revival upon their land, upon their little island. And they met together in a barn, and they prayed, and they prayed, and prayed. And they prayed and prayed that the Lord would hear and answer prayer. Suddenly they knew the Lord had answered prayer. And, and one young man said, Lord, you said in your word, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, that's not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive. Lord, we have come with clean hands and a pure heart. We've not lifted up our soul unto vanity. Lord, answer prayer. Listen, before they'd finished that prayer, outside of the barn, there were people queuing up, queuing up to be saved. God had worked in their hearts and lives, and they were coming out of their houses in droves to, to be saved. And each one was led to the Lord and saved on that island 
the public houses, the beer shops, had their doors uh, actually bolted up. They never sold another drink in the place. Why? Because here were three people and another two ladies who couldn't get to the prayer meeting because of arthritis and because one was permanently crippled. Uh, and so they stayed in, in one of their homes and they prayed and prayed with the group. And God heard and answered prayer. There, one woman was 84 and the other was 80-something as well. And, and yet God hadn't finished with them. They were prayer warriors for God. Well, tonight, that's the message. And that's the burden of my heart. And I pray and pray that the Lord will catch the fire in your heart as well. And you'll see what the Lord can do. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord came down upon us and mightily blessed us in a manner that I've tried to describe? My, we would say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for saving my church. Thank you, Lord, for saving my district. Lord, thank you for saving my nation. Thank you, Lord, for saving the world. Could he do it? Could he really do it? Yes, of course he could. Because he's the great God of heaven that we believe in. May God do it for his glory and for his own name's sake. Amen. There's some places where the promise of God is so powerful. All the promises of God are powerful. But just think of that. If you seek him, he will be found of you. Our pastor, preacher said, how plain could it be? If you seek him, it's a condition, isn't it? If you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. It reminds us of James, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Our part is to draw near to him. How do we do that? We make bare our hearts before him. Let's go before the Lord tonight. Oh Lord, this is your word. And you have chosen to remind us of it by your servant tonight. The God of creation, the true God. Prayer hearing God. Oh, rend the heavens, Lord. We ask with the prophets of old and the people of old, will you not revive us again? Your people. Will you not revive your work in the midst of the years? Surely, Lord, there are souls to be saved. There are those all around us who need the gospel. There are things that need to be done in our own hearts and lives. And we pray that the Spirit of God would just tarry with us here and deal with us, Lord, your people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. So, Lord, we, we humble ourselves and pray that you do your work in our midst even now, individually and corporately, Lord. Again, with this pastor. Oh, you said that you'll be with us and that you'll, if we seek you, that you'll be found. And so, Lord, we seek and we, we in our trouble, we turn into the Lord God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're our God and we seek you. And, Lord, we pray that you would teach us how to, to seek you. We're reminded in the, the chapter before that it is nothing. Asa prayed, it is nothing for you to, to work with you or with many, whether with many or with them that have no power. And, Lord, in and of ourselves, we have no power, no influence, nothing. But your gospel is all-powerful. Your word is this word of truth. You said you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Oh, revive thy work. It is your work. 
We wouldn't be here without your spirit bringing us to this place. None of us would know the gospel without your spirit's work. You've revealed to us in your word. And Lord, it is your work. The work in us is a work of your own doing. We're your people and the sheep of your pasture. You've told us to come before you with thanksgiving. And we thank you for this word that rebukes us. This word that pierces our hearts and gets to the very root of the matter. Oh, Lord, work to revive us. Oh, show us what, what needs to be done in our midst for revival. Lord, only you can show that. Only you can lift the, the, the eyes that are blinded in the heart that has been calloused, jaded by this world's pleasure and philosophy. And Lord, even your people, we've been influenced by it. We confess it. We pray that, that prayer in Second Corinthians, that we would cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. High things, high places, philosophies that go against you and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Oh, Lord, meet with us these days. I pray your people would be faithful. We remember that David said, I'll not offer that to the Lord, that which doth cost me nothing. Lord, it will take time and change of schedule and sacrifice to be in your house. To hear your word. Lord, you brought us this teaching priest, this pastor, this preacher of the word. And we have your, your word in our midst. And we pray that we would avail ourselves of this precious, precious opportunity of calling on you. May your house again be called a house of prayer. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another service from the annual Birmingham Bible Conference here at Glen Iris Baptist Church in South Birmingham. If you would like a CD copy of Dr. Green's message, please call us at 205-323-1516. Again, that number is 205-323-1516. Or if you choose to write and request copies of these messages, Send your correspondence to Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Again, that address is Glen Iris Baptist Church, 1137 10th Place South, Birmingham, Alabama, 35205. Thank you for joining us either on WAY-TV Channel 47 or WGIB Radio the Where God is Blessing Broadcasting Network.